Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Andrew Clark. And I'm Doug Sanham. This podcast is brought to you by the Pilot Light Campaign. In these weekly chats, we will have real and honest conversations with our inspiring friends and other amazing human beings we want you to know about. We take a unique glimpse into their lives and hear their incredible journeys from overcoming challenges to building better mindsets, habits, and routines. This is the Skull Session Podcast. Hi, welcome to the Skull Session Podcast by Pilot Light. I'm Andrew Clark. And I'm Doug Sanham. And today's guest, we have George, George Lamb. George, I don't know if I <laughs> Sorry, was saying yeah. it. Was saying it yeah. Leaning in just for no, fun. No, well, that's it. Well, let you introduce yourself. Uh, my name's George Lamb. <laughs> George, welcome. So good to thank, have you thank here. Thank you for having me. Um, George, one of the reasons I wanted to get you in is, um, you know, we bumped heads a few times about kind of, you know, food and uh, growing, rewilding, that kind of stuff. And, um, and I just thought that there's something we need to explore. I'm never quite sure what. But I thought there's something we need to explore on a podcast and just, you know, sit here for an hour and thrash something out. Could be um, absolute bullshit. Explore it, nonetheless. Exactly. And I thought, you know, rather than there's always things I've wanted to talk to you about anyway. We've we've only kind of just had five minutes here, ten minutes there, that kind of thing. And I just thought, look, why don't we just do this you know, in front of some microphones? And talk about the things, you know, the little things I wanted to ask. Now, I know that you're part of uh, a a consortium, would I say? Grow? Yeah. And that's uh, where you're kind of helping kids in Barnet, is this right? Yeah, so we're here. I mean, ultimately, we want to be helping kids everywhere. But yeah, yeah. We, we set up a... Uh, we set up a program called Grow, which is, a, I suppose, it's an education model, really. Um, and we're piloting up a, a big comprehensive school in Barnet called the Totteridge Academy. And my mate, the, the reason we're there is because one of my really good friends is the headmaster. Right. Um, and I realised probably... Uh, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, if you really want big systemic change, or this is my view anyway, if you really want big systemic change, then education is the way to go. Yeah. Um, and um, and my buddy uh, had, had just taken over the school. This is four years ago. Um, it was his first headship. Uh, my house where I was living at the time was kind of equidistance between his home and the school and so he'd often pop round I was living quite next quite close to Hampstead Heath and he'd come to me and almost like he'd just kind of come and unwind and we'd wander around the Heath together and talk about everything you know and I was looking for you know I was looking for the next chapter of my life and what I was going to do and realise I needed to do something with purpose um, and just the more I talked to him and the more 
I kind of went into that world of education and what's possible, you know, if you're doing it right, uh, I, 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 you know, to kind of put two and two together and realise that was it. That's what I needed to do. So, yeah, we, we work in schools and communities and we promote uh, mental well-being and physical health and, uh, and a more hands-on relationship with nature, basically. And is it like it's one school that everyone that goes to Totteridge, they're all involved in this or are you taking so, like one year? So, so, so um, secondary school runs year seven to 11. Yep. Uh, so we've got year seven, we've got year seven, eight and nine at the moment. So right up to when you take your GCSEs. When, when you take your GCSEs, it's a bit harder to try and carve time sure, out yeah. of their schedules. But up until then, we, you get an hour a week, we grow. Um, and that's kind of a shop window for us to to uh, to get into their heads and their hearts a little bit, you know. And um, across the term, you do so. We do kind of four uh, four to six week modules. So we we, we split it up into to um, grow, think, and flow. Yeah, yeah. So grow is is learning about growing food. Uh, it's learning about animal welfare. It's doing forest school, just getting to grips with nature and being yep. outside. It's also learning about nutrition. Then you've got flow, which is about getting in your body and, and trying to get into flow state, which is obviously our kind of optimum condition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we do uh, we do yoga, we do transformational breathing, we do um, uh, what else do we do in that? Probably some other stuff. <laughs> I can't it right now. That's nuts for teenagers, though. Yeah, like like really incredible to be doing it at, at that age. Yes, when I was that age, I was just running around playing football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, you know, like I, 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 you know, obviously I believe that you need it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bothered starting <laughs> grow. But it's, it's. I think it's, you know, I suppose we all, you know, we all kind of, we all f- find our place in the world because of the life that we've led and I feel like I kind of led I had a kind of fairly standard upbringing I I lusted after the things that you know social conditioning gets you to lust after Mm, so I wanted to have money I wanted to have a nice car I always joke you know when I left college if you'd have given me an Audi and a hundred grand a year I probably would have sold arms you know (laughs) but I I really I would have I think and that's just like and I look back at that now and I think oh my god like who who was I but anyway whatever you know that that, that's that was I was I was always looking for um uh, kind of externalities to give me my sense of kind of meaning and and belonging and 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 uh and then you know and then and then you and then you've 30, what was I, 32 when I f- had this big kind of realisation and I, I, I'd, I'd been lucky, I'd been quite successful commercially, I had a nice house, I had a nice car, I had all the clubber, you know, been on the holidays yeah. and all the rest of it, I'd, you know, I'd been famous, um, which is another thing that, you know, maybe people maybe don't explicitly want to be famous, but like to have that kind of adoration and to yeah, be yeah, acknowledged and yeah, yeah. have society to give you your blue tick kind of thing, you know, gotcha. um, so I had all of that quite young. And then, um, and then, yeah, I woke up one day in my in my nice house, and I finally got. It feels silly now, but I'd finally got onto like primetime television, which was what I'd made my ex. That was my like when I get onto primetime, then I really will have made it, and everything will be great. <laughs> which sounds daft now, obviously, but um, and I'd got onto primetime television. And I had this big show on Friday and Saturday nights on Channel 4. Uh, and I rang my dad, you know, my face was on the side of the bus. I was earning, you know, yeah. footballer money. It yeah. was, you know, life was great. 
and I felt totally empty, you know. Right, and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I rang my dad one morning and I was just like, Dad, I don't know what's going on. I don't feel good at all, you know. And he was like, well, you know. And I was like, well, what? And, uh, and he was like, well, he was like, game show host. Not a very serious guy in the big scheme of things, is he? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, fucking hell, Dad. You know, you could have told me that, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And he was just like, you're having a good run at it. Yeah, yeah. And... And so, so yeah, so there was some reckoning to be done and, you know, and so began the transformation and, you know, and kind of like renouncing all worldly goods, running off yeah. to the East, a lot of kind of yoga, meditation, you know, soul searching, a lot of therapy. That was probably the best thing I ever did. Come yeah. back and do, you know, I was running around so much, running off, looking for stuff. Actually, I came back to London and did six months, three days a week, really intensive therapy. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it was life changing. So how long does that mean you've been out of TV for eight years? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I've been lucky enough, like a couple of, you know, dad's been keeping the family stock price yeah. reasonably high. So <laughs> I've, been, I've, been able to, yeah, I've been able to kind of, uh, you know, ride on his coattails or whatever <laughs> a couple of times just to, just to keep a few coffers coming into the bank. You know? Well, that's yeah, the funny that's thing is, I was talking to someone about you the other day when we were talking about podcasts and I said, oh, and George Lamb as well. And they're like, oh, Larry, Larry Lamb's son. It's like, yeah, well, you know, a few years ago, you would have said, yeah, George Lamb. Yeah, yeah. But here we are, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's good to... I mean, it's good to have someone like yourself that has come from, you know, an interesting story of, like, you know, doing the fame thing. And it's like, actually, now I'm kind of renouncing it. Now I want to jump into things that are, you know, much more kind of important from the heart, right? Yeah. So tell me, the third bit of the um, the grow system, you've got grow, flow, grow, think. flow, and then think. And think is, is uh, we do philosophical thinking, really. Okay. Yeah. And, and we were doing mental maintenance, but kind of that's rolled into to a lot of it now. But, but yeah, so philosophical thinking. What's really interesting is, is that kids... Uh, interesting slash sad kids get taught in a very kind of linear way so yeah. they're always looking for a formula a plus b equals c yeah. um they're not thought they're not taught to to think critically and to think uh, creatively yeah, yeah um and so you know unfortunately schools you know it's a very simple system if they get the marks they get the budget the next year mm. that's how it works you know whether it's right or wrong kind of you know that's uh, um, subjective, but but that's how it works, and yeah, so yeah. they learn to pass exams. And uh, unfortunately, all of that kind of that ability to think on your feet and to question things and really challenge it and and really and challenge yourself about your position on things and how you feel and what you think about it. You know, they're always looking for the right answer, and um, and so we we run these sessions with the British Philosophical Society, uh, and they come in. And they just start talking to the kids about, you know, about certain subjects and getting them to bounce ideas around. Yeah. And it's really fascinating watching them do it. It's, 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 it's actually turned out to be maybe the best thing we do. <laughs> and and we are, we're only doing it because uh, Lucy, uh, the lady who runs our education uh, kind of element of the organisation, she um, her fellow is a philosopher. And she was like, I could get Tim to come in and do, you know. And I was oh, like, yeah, yeah, come and let's try it, you know. And then it turns out it's amazing, so... So, I mean, you know, they're all, the kids are responding to every part of it. I mean, let's go back to the grow bit. I mean, that yeah. obviously, as chefs, that's the thing we're really excited yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, the younger kids, uh, so, so the, the real travesty is we've done, we done our first, the way we've been in, I think, we've been in the school, if we'd have, they break up next week. Yeah. If we'd have done this last term, we would have done a year and a term, basically. Gotcha. Um we just started our first week of the food and farming module 
on the like whatever it was of March when right, we got shut down basically. Down, yeah. um, what I can tell you kind of anecdotally is, uh, so we have a six acre plot behind the behind the school where we where we're growing yeah. stuff. Uh, whenever we would take kids out there, obviously it was early stages, but whenever we take kids out there, we had sheep out there for a while. Yep. Um, they love it. They buzz being outside. We've got a really beautiful kind of nature reserve area around the side of the school. Um, and so we do forest school there. The kids love it. Invariably, the first week, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get muddy. I don't want to put that jumpsuit on. I don't like trees or whatever it is. And within 20 minutes, they're buzzing off it. You know? But I don't, you know, they'll find some yeah, nonsense, yeah, course, you know. Yeah. But, you know, like, it's innate, it's in all of us, yeah, you know, yeah. like being outside with your, like being outside on your own or even with your mates, you know, getting your hands dirty, messing around, being free, you know, like being spontaneous, it's like, I defy anybody, you know. But there is an energy, isn't there? I mean, one of the things we always talk about and um, our kind of 12 ever-growing commandments and <laughs> things that you need to do for better mental health, I mean, nature is a big part of that and, yeah, you know, you may not know it straight away. But after there is a real calming frequency about nature and being out there. And after a while, you're just like, actually, I like this. Yeah. And it's probably those people that are, you know, they're just so used to noise and, you know, the, the really intense frequencies of the city that, you know, it takes a little while longer for people to switch off. But I think eventually they do. There is a calming part. Yeah, of it. absolutely. And especially if you can't hear it consistently. Like there, yeah. there was a, a space that I went to over the weekend and it was a yoga retreat. And I don't think I wore shoes the entire time. And it's like, right. it's a, it sounds really silly, but it's so comfortable standing on grass, barefoot, relaxing. I think it's unbelievable. You feel it through. He's, 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 he's a boss. You need to get him on. <laughs> well, I did think about that. Have you yeah. heard of him? No. The natural wild, uh, no, the natural lifestylist. And he just, I mean, he, he does like huge long marathons. He's, he just said about doing the Three Peaks Challenge. Right, okay. And then running between them, but with bare feet. Right, so really? as you guys, I'm not wearing the, so I'm just oh, showing, that's the, some, I'm, yeah, I'm showing that's my, the my, my, my Vivo barefoot <laughs> shoes. And um, I'm definitely not wearing them because they look super cool. You know what I, mean? <laughs> uh, I think it's a really important thing. Well, not I think, it is. This yeah, is yeah. irrefutable. This is no, my no, opinion. Sure. It's a really important thing that you ground uh, and you and you you get your feet on the floor and uh, you know our feet actually should be almost as dexterous as our hands. Yep. Um, and my yep. feet certainly aren't, that's for sure. You know, like <laughs> um and and everything starts from the feet, all mm. the contact, you know, like your whole body, your whole posture, everything yeah, yeah. is a derivative of how your feet are connected with the ground, you know, and, and um there's you know Tony Riddle's amazing. There's another guy called David Weck who's got this Weck method. Yeah, he was the guy he invented the Bosu ball, which is that okay, kind of yeah. funny little half. Yeah. You know, kind of like don't really know what to do with it in the gym thing. But, <laughs> um, but like actually, it's fascinating. And when yeah. you really go into him, and he had a kind of like, I, I, you know, he's pretty far out. I think he had a, I think he was doing some plant medicine and kind of got a big download about how the body works and yeah, all yeah. the rest of it. And he he's um. He 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 came up with this this whole way of the rope thing. I don't know if you've seen that these 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 ropes no. that you moved. Uh, so your um, myofascial meridian lines that go all your basically how yeah. your muscles all work through your body. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and they go in these kind of infinity loops in these figure of eights all the way up through 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 yeah. our bodies. And so they've created these not created these ropes created this method of swinging a rope around your body that kind of closes these whole things and oh, it's wow. i've been i've been getting into it the guy um uh, tim sheaf who who is um he won the the uh, ninja warrior twice yep 
Right. So just like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm listening to him. <laughs> <laughs> Not once, mate, twice, nice yes. Um, and, uh, and he's the big kind of proponent and advocate of it here in the UK. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, and it's really amazing. And, and, I, and I see it all as part of one thing. You know, I don't think it's a... You know, I don't think it's a surprise at the moment that you know, you know, like you look at what you guys are doing, and and you know, there's a there's a massive issue with mental health, mm-hmm. you know, in society. You know, it's it's, it's particularly uh, exacerbated in your industry, yeah. you know, because unfortunately, it's, you know, everybody's been used to pushing it too hard, sure. yeah, yeah, and so the system's broken. So the symptom that pops up is you've got a, you've got a kind of epidemic level of, mm-hmm. of, of mental health issues. You know, then we look at how we're moving our bodies, you know, turns out all of that, you, you never guess, you know, we're not looking after our bodies the right way, you know, yeah, then, yeah. then uh, you look at the farming industry, you know, turns out we're not doing farming right, you look at education, turns out we're not doing, you know, all of it. It is, yeah. I think that what's happened is society considers everything as normal now, do you know what I mean? And, you know, even like, I, I looked on the website of these shoes the other day and it's the way they have your feet, so they're almost kind of stretching out, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Where so many shoes are narrow and they put your feet in. Now, you know, as long as we've got brands like Nike and, um, you know, Adidas and stuff that, that every kid's going, yeah, we need these shoes, they're amazing. It's actually, no, this is actually, it's poison for your yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's the same, actually, to, you know, kind of finish the point of it, we, we were talking about um, the things that you, the, the evolution of man, Homo sapiens, let's say 200,000 years, do you know what I mean? We've been around if we accept that, and we obviously accept evolution. The biggest, the greatest part of that period is like hunter-gatherer mm-hmm. and you know very few clothes even wearing t-shirts and the fibers that are on t-shirts everything can have an effect on the body you know yeah do you know what i mean and, and wearing shoes wearing socks things are kind of restrictive it's just not really where we need to be um and that has got so bad over the last 50 well, years it's evolving backwards though would you know? say because yeah, yeah really well, i mean we we touched on it a little bit earlier the um it's the, the information that's actually being given to people, yeah. um, you, you give a certain level of information which sounds amazing, um, and then you kind of yeah, yeah, leave, leave out, you, you'll leave out all of the things, and that's what brands do perfectly. Brand, you know, because we buy into brands we, so we much. We buy into exactly days, what they want. It's, it's like that old school um, American McDonald's advert about you're, you're not a man if you haven't got a quarter pounder in your hand. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. like trying to encourage people to eat meat, mm. and only their meat, which is a bit dirty, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... What what information are we giving? Are we giving people the right information? If you look back through, you know, the movement that you were just talking about is very, it, it's very Tai Chi Chinese. Get that energy, and and again, going back to barefoot on the ground, yeah. there are things that people had done for so many years in cultures who genuinely live healthier lifestyles than we do anyway over yeah. in the Western world, and it's culture that we haven't adopted and we don't and we just find the easiest route out of anything that we possibly can and essentially evolve backwards we're evolving into the complete opposite of what we started out as Every, everything you know, that we have in extremely, our life that we consider normal now yeah. is something that is actually taking us away from our our natural lifestyle right yeah. Just ask Tony Riddle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, I mean, it's, we're, this is the, we're kind of living out the compound interest of bad practice on bad yeah. practice on bad practice. And I don't think there's any malice in it. You know, I don't no. think, I don't think, you know, like, you know, going back to food, I don't think farmers are 
out there, you know, fifth generation farm. Obviously, there's exceptional farmers sure. out there, you know, uh, but the, the, I don't think there's a load of kind of conventional farmers out there doing things with malice and trying to do things no, no. the wrong way or whatever. But if your dad handed it down to you one way and then his dad handed it down and all the rest of it, and you know, Chinese whispers and you know, 200 years have passed and, yep. and basically we're just well, smashing us, the planet up. Even you know? with like chefs, I mean, you know, yeah. we shouldn't eat free course meals, we shouldn't have tasting menus, do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? But, um, but we, we do that because that's our job and we love it, and people do want that, but really, yeah, we should be grazing all day long, right? Yeah. Um, and but I think you know as we've kind of we, we've gone down the route of the mental health thing there's a certain responsibility that we've now have to start exploring and you know we can't fix things overnight I don't think I'm not even that way in myself I'm not fixing these things within myself that's a journey but I always say that I'm a, yeah I'm on a journey and um, you know little bits and pieces that I do six months of the year I don't drink and if I do have a drink in that six months then you know it's not the end of the world but I'm, I'm always every year I'm just trying to figure things out actually during the lockdown I took I went for a completely vegan diet just to see if it would actually clear up a few little you know ailments how's, I had. how's, it, how's it been <clears throat> do you know what it, much like the way I do the, with the drinking it's it's um now I've done it I'm starting to eat meat maybe once a week but I don't want to take it more than that I definitely felt that there was a lot of um inflammation had cleared up my joints don't ache anymore, so that's good. Great. And I've been doing yoga, so it could be a you know a combination of, of things. But I do feel better for it. A lot it's more a energy. Combination of healthy things. I don't things, want to not eat meat. That's really where it is. I do believe in eating amazing meat, and, and as long as we're going down the route of supporting the kind of regenerative farms, organic where possible, rare breeds, slow bred. Um, that's what I'm after. But yeah. otherwise, um, yeah, I, I don't really eat an excess of anything else. The only problem that I have. <laughs> And where, you know, as soon as I'm drunk <laughs> or hungover, that's it. That's when you're going to go and get the, the ch shitty chicken yeah. wings or the, a donna kebab or something, which I'm trying every year to get better <laughs> at doing. But, so, but we're on a journey, do you know what I mean? I'm trying to fix myself, but I think it's always important to start start Like, you know, give people the facts. And as we read stuff and we understand about, you know, yeah, earthing and how important that is, as like electric, you know, we'll carry that electricity around with us. Um, just understanding these little facts that have never been, they're in a few textbooks, but they're not in the mainstream. Start talking about that and actually might just get other people interested and they might be on a journey where they can clear things up a lot quicker. It's that educational purpose as well though, isn't it? You know, yeah. exactly what you're doing with Grow is it all starts, you know, for us it's, it's about growth. It's about going from a bad situation, journeying into a good situation, understanding what you need to do in order to get there. And starting off, I mean, starting off at te with teenagers is, mm. especially nowadays, you yeah. know, with, with the way that everything is so stupidly accessible for them, you know, that any form of manipulation can be given to them, you know, just yeah. through social media. Whereas you, we would never have, I mean, this was only what, 16, 17 years ago that iPhones and things still didn't exist. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, and there was no access to, to social media except for, you know, from the, the plug-in, the dial-up on the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, your mum's kicking you off Facebook because she wants to make a phone call to her mum or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was only 16, 17 years ago. It wasn't yeah. that long. So you think how much has changed and how easy it is for, for people not to know and then, you know, teenagers to suddenly get to 20 years old and have no knowledge about how they can go into an adult life. Yeah. I think that's the thing, though, is, isn't it? Curriculums tend to, you know, you're saying as soon as they get to the GCSE, then the, the time is really about getting that GCSE 
done and all the other you know the, the work you need to do for that but I think there's something that we are so even as adults we're so far removed from what food is about quite often you know you buy chicken breast you so many people might not you know they get freaked out when they see the whole chicken or a chicken still in feather and um you know it, it's been over processed that people just it's they just consume it and we're having the prime cuts rather than the whole bird and making do with that uh i just think it's important i mean we we i think and you can tell me i'm wrong but i think we're the worst in europe uh, the, the uk for that because at least on my travels you still see particularly through france through italy yeah. you know there is still like don't you know you're not just going for the prime cuts you're getting you're maybe slaughtering birds on site or something um over here i think it's all just dumbed down so much that kids and adults alike don't have they don't recognize what a lot of food is you hold a leak up and you know some people yeah. don't have a clue what that is let alone how to cook it, it it's um you know the, i think a hundred and I don't know, I haven't quite got the stat, but like 150 years ago, say, yeah. I think 70% of people uh, were involved in food production. Right. And now we're less than 2%. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, you know, we've just lost contact with it and we're yeah. not part of it and we don't have a kind of, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're, you know, you guys are, are protagonists of, and I've been lucky enough to live through it, this kind of revival of, or whatever, renaissance, or a, a re reawakening of, yeah. of food, you know, yeah. and, and our food culture, which, you know, certainly when we were really young was kind of, you know, frowned upon and laughed at British food, you know, now yeah. is, 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 as, is as kind of revered as any, you know, kind of... Uh, Cuisine. Cuisines around the world, <laughs> thank you. And um and that doesn't just happen to me. Yeah, no, it's complete mind blank. What's that word? Begins with C <laughs> cooking. Um and and um yeah, and, and so you know, we've moved away from you know, we've all moved away you know, Industrial Revolution was massive in the UK, yeah. right? Yeah. So everybody moved away from communities where they would have been in, in touch with the natural world and they would have been they would have been, you know, like you would have been you would have been smallholders at the very least, yeah. and you, you probably had you know be more broadly involved in food production. Certainly helping with the harvest, you know, mm -hmm. you know, getting the apples in, making you know ciders, whatever it is. You know, you, you're that was part of people's lives when they were when they were growing up, and then and then gradually we all go into the city and we start living a very different life, and you know, food for whatever reason doesn't get put all like high high up the the the, the kind of a table of, of uh, priorities in yeah. the UK for you know culturally for generations and and so then we end up with a place where you know you're getting statistics like you know one in five kids doesn't know where an egg comes from yeah. and uh, eighty percent of kids uh, were better at naming uh, like really complicated uh, Pokemon names than they were doing natural species like mm. badgers and oak trees and stuff sure, you know? sure. Um, and so we're in a bit of a we're, we're in a bit of a mess but. But it's all right because Grove's going to come and say And so that, uh, you know, I suppose that's kind of what I've learned on this seven or eight year kind of trip that I've been on where I started looking very definitely at, you know, kind of different areas and seeing them all in silos and seeing them all separate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and very definitely the beginning looking at disenfranchised, disengaged groups of people and, and worrying about people all the time. Mm -hmm. And then, and, then, and then read this book uh, called How Soon Is Now by a guy called Daniel Pinchbeck. And, uh, and he, he kind of ambushed me. He was coming to London. He's a mate of mine. He'd written books about plant medicine. This is like three years ago, three and a bit years ago. 
and uh, and he said, I'm coming to London. Uh, will you will you do the Q and A with me about my new book? So I just assumed it was a plant medicine book or whatever. And I was yeah. doing quite a lot of plant medicine at the time, so I was like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Anyway, get this book come through, and it's a, it's nothing to do with plant medicine, and it's about it's, it's called How Soon Is Now. It's about the ecological mega crisis, which of course we're all very yeah. familiar yeah, with yeah. now. But three or four years ago, it was like it was you know it was fringe in my life anyway, you know sat down read this book pretty much in 24 hours and just had my head in my hands just going oh, fuck we're all finished basically. <laughs> and, and, and like everything else is arbitrary frankly if yeah. there's no planet you know like no, sure. and, and so you're just like right what are we going to do you know and then and then I'd been trying for a few years to work in community with you know doing various different initiatives with with different groups of people who were having a tough time realized it's very difficult to change adults you know short of the building being on fire it's very different difficult to get adults to go in one one yeah. direction yeah. On, on mass um and so I, and so I was just like right we, we've got a big problem here like human beings are very difficult to get them on the train uh, and if we don't radically change our behavior as a species we're like we're finished ah, right kids 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 yeah, yeah. and then I was like right so then we're going to set up kind of like Jedi training camps for eco warriors basically and yeah. you know and then and then going into that and then called my mate and he was the headmaster and you know give him a bit of the Jedi training camp he was like, all right mate slow down <laughs> um, so so uh, but they won't know they're all eco warriors because that'll be the default you know yeah. and their their environmental literacy will be through the roof and da -da -da. and so that's how it all began really you know kind of despairing of well I, I suppose despairing. Uh, of of where we were at, but then also this kind of underlying faith in the the you know kind of human possibility and yep. what we're capable of. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, you mentioned uh, just before we started about that you've got the boxing academy as well, mm. and that was a bit of a. A disguise to get people through as well is that right? Yeah, so so obviously, as I said, we only got you know the youngest kids in the school, yeah, and and you know schools, you know schools still work as they used to when you were at Ron yeah. Andrew, you know, like <laughs> if you can get the older kids into it, then yeah, the yeah. younger kids will fall into line basically, yeah. um, and uh, and so I, I box for years. I, I've seen the difference it's made in me. I've seen yeah. the difference it makes in 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 loads of kids who've you know like come from you know way tougher. In fact, I didn't sure. come from any tough background, <laughs> but like from tough backgrounds, basically. Sure. Um, and so I was like, you know, and like, like pitching, you know, yoga and breath work and growing food and, and, you know, and philosophical thinking to like lads and girls who were going through a lot, you know, and I, and I, I, I wedded to the conventional kind of parameters of what's cool yeah. is quite tough, you know? So. Yeah. If, if if you if you say do you want to come to a boxing club they're like all day long right yeah, yeah, so they yeah. come to the boxing club now part first part you have to do a you have to do a fitness module part of that is you do you know, nutrition part of the nutrition is you come out on the field and you see how things are growing that's yeah. number one next bit we do a we do a, a sports psychology thing so you have to come in we're going to do a lot about visualization manifestation you're going to do some breathing techniques hold up you're meditating there we go boom and then we're going to do uh, sports science looking at different ways how you know physiologically how your body's moving all the rest of it let's have a look at conor mcgregor he's a big advocate of um of doing all the the animal flow stuff yeah. so he's down you're down on the floor doing all sorts of you know caterpillar rolls and you know bear <laughs> crawls and all the rest of it and basically you're 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 now in grow right yeah, and yeah, you yeah. thought you were coming to a boxing club but actually you're, yeah, you're yeah. coming to grow you still get to box and you have a great time and actually it's going to make you a better boxer sure. if you do all of these things um 
but you, I, I suppose what I learned over the last you know, couple of years really of being around it is the old paradigm of education is uh, I get you to submit to, to what I want and basically, basically kind of like badger you, you know, knock you into submission and then I push my agenda onto you. Yeah. Now, nobody likes basically being <laughs> pushed into submission and having something kind of you know, pushed onto sure. them, right? That's, you know, it's old world stuff. Nobody's really into that. You're certainly not going to be in your highest vibration and receptive, sure. you know? Uh, so I think, actually, obviously, I understand the context of, you know, school, the school system as it is. It's, you know, yeah. it's set up in a certain way, so this is difficult. But actually, I think if, we can, if I can say, right, Andrew, what are you interested in, mm. yeah? Uh, and then, and then I find my way to weave my agenda yeah. into what you're interested in. You yeah, know, which is, is that's like the best thing because I was. I mean, I've I've just started a uh, degree in nutrition, studying biomedicine, and one of the things, little bits of information which I never really would have thought about before, but it's a very strict kind of list of of things that you should be doing to help learn, not memorize. And if I look back, I think most of my GCSE time and everything that we ever did was, was about memorising stuff for a, for a test. Yeah. I don't remember fuck all about yeah. secondary school. I really don't like, you know, maths. <laughs> I, I can count and I can do basic mm. arithmetic off the top of my head quite easily. But if you put an algebra equation in front of me after spending two years learning algebra, I've got no idea. But it's about it's having that relevance, isn't it? I, yeah. I remember, um, yeah, I was the worst at school. I, I came away, even in things that I was actually good at, like design and music, I think I got a D. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So and my school was a bit of a joke anyway. Um, but then later on in life, you know, I start getting interested in things. I mean, cooking, for example. Turns out I'm quite smart. But you have to find things in a very... Um, Find the right teacher. Yep. Find the things that are going to excite you about something. It was like actually to learn how to cook really good food. I, I think I got that because I just have such a fucking great appetite. Do you know what I mean? And you go places, and maybe that's not that's not what I want. That's not what I want. Fuck it, I'll do it myself. So I'm going to start learning how to cook. And I was like 13 when I started going on that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's it's so much. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Science in cooking. Yeah. Yes, like, and, and, and I, as I'm now trying to become a better cook, you know, I realize that, you know, and I'm really like, 
you know, I try and be intuitive and I try and do taste and I try and feel, but there's a lot, and particularly with like baking and stuff, you know, like there's... But yeah, know, it's all, everything's it's kind science, of... science, man. I think that's the, that, that's the bit that I've always shied away from. It's just having to weigh stuff out. It means I've got to get the scales out. I've got to get the measuring jug out. Well, Anything with numbers, I'm like, you know what? I'll leave the numbers today. <laughs> well, it's always, I mean, you know, that's that's probably something I do once a month or whatever, but just being able to do things instinctively. Yeah, you through know, taste and feel and touch. Taste, yeah. Exactly, and I've got this, I want to try but, that. But, but even on understanding about like even stuff like the, you were talking to me about the tomatoes we mm -hmm. just had a very some very delicious roasted slow roasted yeah. tomatoes um, I only came for the snacks by exactly the way. Right. and, and, and um, uh, but the way you were talking about the fact that these ones have more water retention and as yeah. a result they behave differently in the oven and all sure. the rest of it you know like that is you know it's rudimentary but it's science you know and there's a lot there is that logic do you know what I mean but I guess I, I mean I, I wasn't a thick student I, but I just you know there was nothing interesting about school or the curriculum that we've been taught the, the teachers just you know didn't put it across right the, the textbooks weren't laid out in a way that I can learn but I have a very specific way of learning things that excite me but things do come down to some kind of logic and common sense in the end so it does, you know what we're talking about with the tomatoes yeah ones with water are going to Hold, they're going to take a, a little while to cook in a, yeah. in, a, in a hot oven, whereas the ones I would have used, if I'd left them in the oven that long, would have been fucked. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I, I always try and think like that now. It's a very lateral way of thinking, but I've had to kind of figure a lot of that stuff out for myself, I think. And or it, just allow You've got to be interested to do that, though, haven't you? And I exactly, think that's exactly yeah. what you're saying. You know, finding, finding a route into what the kids are actually interested in yeah. is is the, the way of doing it. I think our industry is kind of known for people not really knowing what they want to do and going into college at 16. No. And the easiest thing that they can do is go into catering. you know. And they're the ones that kind of generally sit at that sort of, you know, they, they reach 35 and they've not really got into head chef and they're just kind of doing that temping thing and not really caring and not really learning and not really loving because nobody's really given them anything that interests them or given them the... the uh, you know the nudge to be able to find something that's interesting for them so they'll never learn they don't care um and this and always kind of, my, my problem with a lot of chefs the way you know it's the engagement of the, you get someone new in the kitchen give them things to try you know yeah. wake their senses by just you know having the most delicious bit of pork or uh leek or something do you know what i mean have this try this and understand it and then people just you know they'll get curious they'll find out what's going on it's it, I, I need a little bit of a spark i've always needed a bit of a spark from someone to see you know there needs to be a little bit of interest and when you can see that Right, I can work with you. I can yeah. turn you into a good chef. But um, I think you know you've just got to bring that energy as a as a leader, as a you know a boss of a kitchen. You've just got to make sure that you can dig around and find find that spark within someone. And when you've yeah. got it, that's it. Yeah, the the the, the um. The biggest or the most watched TED talk of all time is by a guy called Sir Ken Robinson. Yeah. You, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's about it's about creativity and education. Yeah. I think last time I checked, it was about 65 million views, basically. Oh, wow. Anyway, so you should watch it. He's very funny as well. Yeah. It's kind of like stand-up, but also <laughs> educational uh, seminar. Um, and he uh, tells the story of this, this young girl. She was really st struggling at school, um, and she couldn't pay attention, and she was getting bad marks and everything, but they knew yeah. she wasn't daft, you know, so they were trying to figure it out. Anyway, so they, the, the mum took her to a, to a psychologist, child psychologist, and the psychologist obviously must have sussed it kind of early doors. And he said, uh, he said to, the, to, to the girl, he said, right, I'm just going to go and talk to your mum outside. I'm going to turn the radio on uh, so, you, so we can talk in private, okay? 
and he turned the radio on and he walked out with the mum and they looked through the window and within you know 30 seconds the little girl was up and she was dancing and she was moving around and uh, and the guy's like there's nothing wrong with your daughter she's a dancer right yeah that's that's what that's that, you just need to and the mum's like what and he's like you just need to concentrate on that anyway put her into dance classes she started flourishing um, she of course all her maths and English and all the rest of it came up because she was feeling better about yeah. herself yep. uh, and now she, she became uh, she was Andrew Lloyd Webber's main choreographer for 30 years she's the biggest wow. choreographer in the world multi-millionaire you know yeah, blah blah yeah, blah yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Sure. so it's you know it's about finding obviously I know the system doesn't necessarily uh, work in a way that affords you time to, to, to focus on mm. each one individually but, but if you can find that thing that makes somebody's heart sing yeah then, then the rest of it will all fall into line, I think. I think that's why it's important yeah, for agree. so many other things, that, you know, communities to be able to do and, and, and offer your kids anything from kind of skateboarding to pottery classes or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Just being able to have all these things going on in communities. And um, I guess that's such a nice thing that Hackney has. There are little bits and pieces, always kind of noticeable of things happening. And... Um, I would hope that, that we can build on that a little bit more, particularly now. I mean, you know, actually during COVID where your communities have become even more important because people aren't actually leaving them anymore. Do you yep. know what I mean? Every, every business in a community has become so much more important to that community and it's how we can give something back. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we, if we don't localise food economies, I think yeah. we're in big trouble, basically. Yeah. So, so, you know, we have to be, um, you know... Community is at the core of everything, really. You know, we, like community is 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 as old as kind of human nature, and and you know we've lived together since the beginning mm. of time. You know, and and uh, and and somehow we've gone into this kind of cult of the individual. People aren't very neighbourly. We don't, you know, we no. don't look out for one another. Um, and like I moved into a new road just before uh, COVID, and. Um, and I've been astounded by like how like how amazing the community mm. spirit is in our street and kind yeah. of everybody looking out for one another and taking care and WhatsApp groups and like yeah. actually but like really engaging and then and and um, and like this one lady she's she seems to be the kind of main protagonist and she's kind of turned her stoop into like this kind of like socially distanced speakeasy yeah. Um, and it's love, and I was saying, I love, I love my street, you know. Yeah. And uh, and they were like, it wasn't like this before, you know. No, like, but there, the, you have to go through something. I mean, it's not quite World War Two and what everyone had to go through for that. To, not quite. But you know, at the same time, <laughs> it is something. It's a significant something in yes. a generation yeah. that has caused people to act differently. And for the best part, I'd like to think most people have done some really, really good things. Yeah. And even the way restaurants have, you know, turned I've, things I've reacted, around and become yeah. like. Broadway Market, obviously just around the corner from here, but you know all the restaurants became delis. Yeah, still a lot of people. <laughs> there was one point I'm like, well, well, you're definitely not locking down. <laughs> but the fact that you know restaurants became delis and you know supplying fresh ingredients, little had queues, like four hour queues, and people were going there. Mm -hmm. But all Why the grocers around here were packed with the most delicious vegetables and produce and yeah. stuff, and you know Broadway Market full of it. And, you know, if you're stuck in the house all day, you don't want to be in a queue. Walk around. Go from shop to shop. Do it like the what old do you days. Think, what do you think that is about? It's convenient. It's, it's, it's always convenient. No, but it's not convenient. It's a four-hour queue <laughs> over walking across the street is someone, not convenient. Someone thinks it's more of a convenience to do that than walk around, and I yeah. guess that's... But it's also a very British thing. I mean, queue it. Once you're in a queue, yeah. you, you could set a queue up for something 
and just remove the sign at the front and everyone behind would not even know. And they would stay there <laughs> queuing for something that they've got no idea yeah, what they're queuing for. But it's just because we're, we're inherently fucking lazy. But I will, I will say that. I think that we get to a point where we get so used to doing one thing, the same thing, where we get our food or you know, saving money because it's in one place that yeah. if, we've, if we can't be bothered, you know, if we're going to stand there for four hours... We could have gone for a walk to three different shops in an hour and we'd, we'd be happy. Well, that's it. But it's, it's the fact that we're there and we get obsessed with this. This is the only place I can get this from or I can't be bothered to go and learn something new. I mean, it is learning as well. You learn about like the local shop down the corner that's where he's getting all of his fish from. Like, around here, when I drive, drive home, I go past like three or four butchers, a, a fishmonger's, mm. loads of little um, local shops that have got loads of fresh veg out of the side. And then an Iceland, a, a Lidl, yeah, a, yeah. a Sainsbury's, a Tesco's. And it just blows my mind that you can walk to all of them in, in five minutes. Yeah. I and mean, yeah, we've got it easy. It. We were saying earlier, we've got it so easy in Hackney because it is just full of, you know, sort of amazing places, restaurants, delis, you know, little groceries like that. So I, I do feel kind of spoiled with that. I understand the, the whole going to a supermarket where, you know, there's a lot of towns. Dartford became like it. The, you know, the big supermarkets came in, but three of them, two or three of them, and they've just kind of put all the small, like, you know, butchers and bakers and stuff out of business. So you have to go there. There's nowhere else to go. So I understand that. We were asked, well, but that, it just never made sense to me, the people who are in these fucking four-hour queues. <laughs> and there's all this produce around that they can have. And this is, again, just, it's that community thing. Support the community. Don't support these big brands. You don't need to do the big shop every week. I'm sure. I'm sure no. they didn't need to do that either. Just go out and get what you need. As you yeah, do. no, it was really it was it was bugging me. I couldn't I couldn't make head or tail of it. <laughs> no, like I, I, there was like where I where I live, um, uh, there's the, the Tesco Metro. Like the queue was going so far, it was going past two mini marts, like two Turkish mini marts kind of thing. I'm like, you're yeah, literally outside <laughs> somewhere selling like. It, but I, you know, unfortunately, we. Um, you know, there's still a lot of people still, you know, stuck in the matrix, basically. It is, isn't it? That's what it is. People can't see the, the wood through the trees, right? That's it. It's knowing how to cook as well. A lot of people don't know how to cook, so yeah. they'll go to a yeah, supermarket exactly. to buy, you know, ready meals. Ready meals. Um, and you can't get that in in your little local shop that's got a load of fresh veg because you don't know what to do with it. Mm. Or understand how good it is for you. Yeah. Well, I did those things early on in the lockdown where I was just, you know... I didn't want to go into the COVID, my, my total belief in the COVID, COVID thing, but it was just like, I do think we need to look after ourselves. And I hope that people have come back from this thinking, yeah, you know what, fitness is important. Um, you know, what I eat is important. But I just started talking about the fact that, again, go and look, look at the groceries, the, the grocers, sorry, there was just so many beautiful vegetables and fruits and stuff. And while everyone was going for oranges, so there was, oranges were getting depleted. Uh, because people heard about vitamin C, it's like great, perfect. But you know, like guava, which is sitting there, or red peppers have yeah. like twice, even four times as much vitamin C than an orange. Go for them as well. Yeah, so it's parsley. Yeah, does it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, seventy times more than orange. Wow, wow, per hundred grams or something. Oh, it's not, <laughs> but it, it is also a very underused herb. But yeah, you know, yeah. you you don't what we don't know. Exactly. It's just look, have a look online. Just don't go for the obvious. We've just been, I guess, indoctrinated to know that, <laughs> like vitamin C tablets are always orange. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah. We know that uh, they have a good amount, and they do. You should, people should not buy oranges. But it was even things like kiwis. Like this is I, not an anti-orange. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's like even Kiwis and then somebody you know I learned stuff during the lockdown because you know you start opening up this conversation and someone said like because I was talking about Kiwis and they were like yeah actually if you leave the skins on if you eat the skins that's where all the vitamin C is mm. or a lot more of it's in that so I'm like great let's start blitzing them up whole my Nutribullet got used so much during lockdown <laughs> And now I think, you know, now, now I've got that Thermo mix around and I don't really need that. Um, I just need my Nutribullet for life now. That was a small advert for someone to buy a Thermo mix, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's like a, a fancy uh, food processor, but right. it heats things up. Actually, and you make soup in it. And all yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only problem. Yours for just two. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm going to put it on eBay tonight. Um, one, one other thing I wanted to talk about, George, is um, you sent round some lovely flowers the other day. And yeah. I have done what you told me. They're in my fridge. Great. Not roses, by the way. Actual flower. Flowers. <laughs> exactly. Different varieties of flower. Yeah. George standing at my door with a bag yeah. of flowers. Hi, um, been wild... a lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> you and Missy still in America? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> tell me, these are wild farm grain. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Andy from Brigamada. Yeah. So yeah. so uh, about well, I was I was two years into my into my like you know got a change of my life trip and uh, and I was stood in a party in Ibiza uh, and Andy is is uh, he's way taller than me. He's about six nine six ten oh, wow. and we did the kind of like tall guy at the party like we so you can you won't know this but if you're a tall guy you can chat to you can chat to other tall guys. <laughs> Over and, and six foot one used to be tall, yeah, I tell yeah, you that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but it's quite weird, like you, you can just say, oh, mate, how are you doing? You yeah, know? Yeah. And, and, and uh, so we did that and we started talking. And we knew we had some you know friends in common and all the rest of it. Uh, and, I, and I said, How are you doing? And he said, To be honest with you, I'm fucked. And I, I was like, All oh, right. And uh, he said, Yeah, I was up this morning at four o'clock on the farm, you know, doing this. And I was just like, What? Hang on a minute, you know. And so he started to tell me his story. You know, I'll give you a very Quick version yeah, of it, but basically, um, you know, been on the been on the road for twenty years with Groove Armada, uh, had you know done you know reasonably well, uh, bought a nice house down in the southwest of France, was just going to do the classic kind of like old musician thing and just kind of you know probably just get smashed for the next twenty years, um, and and uh, had never grown a plant, never had an animal, but had two young kids that had just come into the you know into the picture. Um, and he uh, he read this he read this article coming home from some awful gig somewhere he was stuck in a, you know like you know and the thing is as well tour, gigging like that's a young man's game you know yeah, he'd yeah. done it for twenty years and he, he was like sitting doing a layover in Munich airport for nine hours or something and he was like oh, I've had enough of right, this yeah, you yeah, know? Sure. and and so he reads this he reads this article and it says. Uh, if you don't, you know, basically the food system's finished, we've got 60 years, you know, and he was yeah. like, what's all this? I didn't know any of this, you know. <laughs> like, and he goes home, shows his wife, she's like, that looks terrible, you yeah. know. Um, and uh, and so they start a little vegetable patch, quickly becomes a polytunnel. Next thing you know, they've got a stall at the local market. And he's going deeper and deeper and deeper. And he's actually, he's an, he's an academic, really, is what he yeah, did before yeah. he's anything. Um, and... He starts reading all this stuff and, and basically gets to the point where it's like, if we don't radically change our food system, life as we know it's over. Uh, and he's like, he's, the, 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 he starts looking statistically, wheat is the, is the most grown crop of, of, mm-hmm. any, uh, of any variety, sure. basically. Yeah. Or, or sorry, of all, of all other crops put together, there's yeah. more wheat grown. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
so he's like, right, so if we could sort out wheat production, then by proxy, we can sort out the kind of sure. environmental footprint of, of agriculture, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, all right, let's do it. So, uh, so he sold his future publishing rights to, to the band. Right. Got a whack of money and bought a 100 hectare... Uh, farm down in the southwest of France in Gascony, which is famously kind of like the breadbasket of, of of France, um, just under the, you know about an hour away from the from the Pyrenees, yeah. and uh, and he went round and he originally started off you know doing organic and he was like you know bought a big tractor and all the rest of it, realised quickly organics just you know it's barely even touching the sides yeah. kind of thing. It's yeah. just the beginning. Uh, you're still taking massive machinery over, wrecking the land, compressing it. Then you have to put these big rotavators into it. Then you're releasing all the carbon. Yeah. It goes on and on and on. Anyway, it becomes this kind of whatever five, six, seven year journey. Uh, goes. It ends up with the with the with the Amish community in Pennsylvania. He's getting horses from them, especially adapted equipment getting made by this mad Swiss geezer. You know, wow. like doing all sorts of stuff. He's become a real. You know, he ended, got knighted last year actually really? by the French. Yeah, so he's the first non-French Chevalier de Agriculture, basically, which wow. is like the second highest thing you can get in France after being like a, a Légion d'honneur. Um, Amazing. And, uh, and, and yeah, just kind of services to agriculture and innovation. And he grows these these 300-year-old uh, strains of cereal crops on, on, on horseback uh, with no pesticides, no tilling. You know, the, the, the horses aren't absolutely essential to the... To the, to the method and we're not doing that at a lot of the other farms that we're working with but um but yeah the animals are though so you you, you need to be doing mob grazing with with with, with cows and yeah, yeah, yeah. um or you, you could do it with, you know sheep you could maybe do it with um and uh, and then taking chickens over it as well and you just get this incredible symbiosis between you know between nature and the animals yeah. and animals are nature but you know what i mean of course um, <laughs> we're all part of it really yeah. somehow we all think we're separate to it but yeah, yeah and you you get this incredible wheat that's um you know got a naturally very low gluten index in it yeah uh, but the taste is is ridiculous um and you know if if we can get more people farming this way not only do we get all the nutrition so you know the food bread was the star for life uh, for a reason we would have 150 years ago we would have been living off it primarily yep. you know yeah, yeah. so it was full of all the nutrients again this bad practice on bad practice mm -hmm. thing that we're living out so now everybody's you know bread's still a fundamental part of everybody's you know lifestyle yep. but actually most of it is is crap you know Absolutely. um and so it, we just need to try and kind of rebrand bread and yeah. get people to understand that yes that looks like bread but it's got 40 ingredients in it and it should have three actually yeah, yeah. and yeah. and and if you and if you leave that bag you know like my mate uh, said they did an office move recently and they found some croissants like in a, a plastic you know container yeah. and they were like four years old and they were absolutely fine you know, like, that's not right. No, I mean, we said that a long time. That's scary. About kind of, you know, Shit. the regular bread. And again, I'll go back to the thing about being on my journey. Every now and then you need a shit white sandwich, white bread sandwich with some shit corned beef or something in it. Like, you know, I grew up on that. So like, every now and then I want to indulge myself. I just hope it's like once a year rather than, you know, as most people do, a, a Warburton's or, you know, to pick just on them, Hovis or something, you yeah. know, these bread, these soft white loaves that we think is just not normal bread. Do you know what I mean? We, we, not, we, we don't go to the bakers anymore like they do in France daily. Do you know what I mean? We have this thing that lasts for 14 days without any like, mould growing on it. It's like, so all, all of the chemicals and things that go in it, uh, ultimately the reason why 
celiac disease started. Yeah, yeah Because cool. there's a chemical in it, it's uh, zomulin or something like that, which um, makes the... Leaky gut. The, 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 yeah, leaky gut. Yeah. It's what break, ruins your protein. So gluten is obviously a protein, and it ruins it, and then puts holes in your intestine. It's also how the, like the grain itself out. has been kind of hybridised to a point where all the goodness is out of it. Yeah. So there's no balance, and you, you know, going back to the kind of the evolution of our bodies and how long we have been having certain grains for so long, and then all of a sudden, yeah, we've, we're taking that out, and there's more of this in there, and the bodies can't handle it, right? Absolutely. Because they do much about uh, the microbiome in your on your course. Yes. Yeah. Actually, listening to a really amazing book at the moment uh, called Ten Percent Human. Because um, I'm not massively good at reading, so I listen to it. Me so too. I Me too. To find it easier, but it's um, it was actually it's a lot of that which I've sort of got a lot of love for what I wanted to do more because the the information that's in it and and the scientific approach of of actually looking at how you know I, I said it this morning you know about, about giving birth you know the, the the fact that we the in the Western world a lot of people give birth slightly differently to the way it is you know as as a human being we we develop our microbiome from um the natural way of birth yeah so if we don't do that we come out through cesarean into a very sterile environment yeah. we're in a hospital that's got three or four different strands of superbugs in it which are the first things that you come into contact with so by coming into contact with something that's breaking down an immune system that's got nothing in it to protect it is causing all sorts of fucking diseases yeah. already and then you grow into, you know, developing um, allergies to things that you you shouldn't not have an allergy to. Yeah, that, that's not necessary. And it's, um, yeah, the, the microbiome is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. It's, I, you know, I the skin, the insides, you know, all of the different types of it that we've got. It, it's, yeah, it's nuts. There's other thing as well about kind of, you know, not, not breastfeeding and how that has an effect on... Yeah, like yeah. so, you, be, you know, you, the, the female will produce uh, the, the milk comes basically directly from um, the production of stuff from their microbiome. So, you know, at one point, um, it's designed for that baby. So if that baby hasn't come into contact with that microbiome on, on the way out and then kind of ends up breastfeeding, it's it's not matching up. None of it's matching up. So the body yeah. starts to react differently and then you'll end up working cow's milk in there or something, which has yeah, got yeah. a completely different microbiome designed for other things. You know, and it's... It, it, it messes us up from birth. So yeah. again, kind of, it leads back to what you were saying earlier. Absolutely, education is the only way forward. And, and this is something that I didn't learn at school. Yeah. Nothing None about of it at school. No. No. Um, There's a great guy, Zach Bush, have you come across him? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's kind of leading the charge. He's a big anti-glyphosate guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, medical doctor based in the States. And, and the stuff I'm learning at the moment from him about microbiomes just really, mm. is, I, I hope that's the, kind of big health focus for the next decade or so you know yeah it's the, the production of mental health issues that come from you know fundamentally our our diet that we've had over the last sort of 60 70 years since major processed foods started coming around um you know is, is when all of the changes have happened i think i said it uh i said it before because i've looked into it you know my my nephew's um uh is on the spectrum and um it's things like that has, has come from diet you know autism is something that seriously come from processed foods something that we've created you know and we, we can make a lot of changes to the way um, mental health issues are just from what we put in, put in ourselves mm. and just you know especially from a hospitality point of view you know what do we really know about food yeah 
you know, do we know all of this stuff about food or we just do we understand how to cook it and, and utilize it? I think that, I mean, you know, that's that, again why we, we felt it's important to have you as a guest, George, is because you know you, you are working with kids and getting them to understand more about food. But there was, I guess, there's another thing that you know we've spoken about uh, in terms of food and the you know the, the this whole system and how we we know it needs to be fixed. But we always forget the kind of you know, the poverty that we have within this country is something that always seems to get overlooked at the panels that I've been on and you're just like, hang on. It's all it's all very well us wanting to Just have your organic, you know, what's wrong with in, you? Well we're in Hackney and there's a lot of chicken shops. They've got, you know, five wings and chips for a pound. How do we compete with that? Mm. Is that a question? Well, I mean, it's, a a statement? Statement. <laughs> it's a statement and a question. If you've got an answer, like yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was gonna say I, I was a statement, yeah. No. Uh, you know what? I think it's really, you know, I think, I think our job uh, uh, as educators is to try and, uh, you know, a bit of stewardship for the next generation and push them in the right direction. And, you know, all you, you know, like we all enjoy eating crap from, you know, yeah. from time to time, you know. Uh, but if we can, you know, everybody I have ever met, if you can get them into a higher frequency than they've been op operating at previously, mm -hmm. they all feel better as a yeah. result of yeah. it. And so if our focus is about deeper inquiry, it's about getting to know yourself, it's about getting to you into a higher frequency, you are, will be less inclined to make poor choices. Yeah. yeah. You know, yesterday I started my day with a brilliant routine. I smashed the trampoline. I went and did, you know, really good for your lymph gland, your trampolines, really got, you know, I've I got a problem at the moment. I don't feel like I've got enough oxygen in me. Um, I did a I did an infrared sauna for half an hour. Came out, you know, cold shower. Boom, felt great. Like felt so great. I went and got a you know a bun from the shop. <laughs> and immediately, like I went a bun and a coffee, you yeah. know, and just like, you know. And so, like, I learned my lesson. I don't, yeah. I'm not it's not say I'm not going to have a bun and a coffee moving no. forward, but like. Just that there was a very marked gear change in my vibration. No, I totally understand. And, you know, when you put food in that is alive and is vibrant and has a yeah. high frequency, you feel good, you know. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I suppose that, you know, my job as an educator is to try and get people into a higher f frequency, you know, and your jobs uh, as, as, as cooks and, and, you know, creators in that world is to try and figure out how to, you know, show people that there's another way of getting you know getting those you know amazing tastes going on that aren't just you know lowest common denominator kind of like that's just loads of fat basically yeah yeah, yeah you of know. course yeah. I think it's, it's been a really important journey that like I said to you that um, I'd kind of adapted a a full plant based diet during the lockdown and you know then trying to think about okay with my little videos like you know exploring how do I get the kind of the fat content that we we get from kind of cheese and dairy mm. and you know nice fatty steaks and stuff. How do I start exploring that with um, vegetables and and not just going to the the usual things that I don't think there's enough creativity in vegan cooking. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It's not. And you see, <laughs> yeah. see so many vegan accounts and it's this lovely bowl of chopped avocado and some black beans and you know it's pretty standard and I understand that's that's probably you know what you should eat most yeah, of the week yeah, but two or three days yeah, a week exactly like, we need but as a chef I want to play around with things I want to be creative and stuff so you know a, a few years ago I actually started exploring that because I realised there was definitely a, a, you know a bigger wave of vegan people coming through the restaurants 
didn't want to be that chef that just cooked everything in butter, all the vegetarian food in butter. And then you got to think outside the box. It was like, look, except that there is this movement happening, start with vegan produce first and then, you know, you have a bit of cheese on top just to finish yeah. it off. Fine, you can take that off. But, you know, when you start looking at that, then you start realising actually, you know, vegetables have a greater flavour profile than meat and fish. They have a greater textual range. And you can, I mean, I bought a dehydrator in the, in the period, but it was just like, okay, let's try cooking things in stock and then, um, you know, drain, drying them out a bit for a couple of hours in that and changing the texture a bit. And it's like, I really like this now. So as a chef, it, just, it gets fun. It gets, yeah. You want to explore things a little bit more. And um, I'm almost there with the fat content. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure cooking nuts and seeds and turning them to these like really you know, rich purees and stuff. It's, it's so moorish. But now I need to talk to a nutritionist and see how much like sunflower seed puree you can have in one meal <laughs> before it starts having an effect we'll on you one, as well. We'll have one very soon. <laughs> <laughs> George, uh, we'll wrap it up. But I just want to ask you, what's, what are your comfort foods? What are your go-to foods? Um, pasta, man. Pasta, yeah. Pasta, my absolute beast for pasta. Fresh, I, I, uh, dry? Um, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's, there's, um, I know it's easy to make, but there's a, there's an amazing little place called Buri Salvia, yeah. which is just down the road, uh, and you can go and get fresh pasta there, and it's cheap as chips, yeah. and, and uh, it's like, and then you take it home, and, and you, like, I, I just, oh, my, I don't know if we've quite mastered it, but I just managed to do a cacio pepe, oh, um, yeah. which is, I know, uh, well, it's difficult for me, like it, it really, I find it complicated to. To really now, I mean, I've, there's been a few times when I've cooked it, and then you just end up with like, this cheese sauce at the bottom, like the bottom, yeah. and it's yeah. kind of split. And it's like, fuck it, how did that? You know, yeah. how did that happen? But yes, no, is, there is a technique. There to is it, a technique, that. definitely. Yeah. So, so, and I made some. Um, this is a personal. I made some malfetti or malfetti yep. yesterday. Yep. So, like uh, spinach and ricotta. With, and and, I, and I, I, I grated some tomatoes, and, you know, made, did all the business on, with the olive oil and all the rest of it, and then some sage butter on top. It was, yeah, it was, really, <laughs> it was, it was and then I had some uh, some some wild farm grain bread, and I just dipped up, did all the scalpetta right. with that, and it was it was great, perfect, yeah. Well, thank you. That was it. Thank, thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, boys, you, I would love to invite you up to school. Anytime you want to come up, do some cooking with the kids. Yeah, absolutely. Do some cooking. Actually, also, what we want to try and do is do some uh, some classes with our with our catering team as well. Amazing, yeah. So really try and, you know, we work with an amazing organisation called Chefs in Schools, which you might be familiar with. We know those, with. yeah. And, and, um, and, and so uh, we're definitely going in the right direction, but any help, you know, uh, that we can get, we would love to have you up. And, and if anyone wants to support Grow, what's the website? Uh, it's it's wearegrow.org. Great. Um, and, and our uh, Instagrams, we are grow with some underscores because there's lots of grow people. And, um, and, and, and just whilst I remember, there's a book that I wanted to say earlier, yep. which was kind of talks to a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about today, uh, which is called Civilised to Death. By a geezer called, I want to say Christopher Ryan, but I feel like he's that bloke who did all those SAS films. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's called Civilized to Death. And and he had a book before that called Sex at Dawn. And it's amazing, this book, Civilized to Death. I can't recommend it enough. Great, we'll put them up in the links to the the podcast. And um, yeah, thank you so much, George. Thank you very much. Great, nice one, guys.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 